0: Matthew chapter 5, we've been talking about the Beatitudes all, most of this year. And I've enjoyed the study, I've enjoyed going through it, I've enjoyed talking about it, I've enjoyed studying on, on my own, and I've enjoyed preaching about it. I think the thing that has struck me so strong throughout this time of studying is that this was foundational teaching by Jesus to us foundational this is what he expects of us this is what he wants from us this is what he wants us to be this is what our goal is to be we sometimes set a bar so high as Christians and we expect so much out of others as Christians that we miss the point that Jesus said there's a simple way to follow me there's a simple way to use this one life that you're given to glorify me. I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm not asking you to have a worldwide ministry. I'm asking you simply to follow me. I'm asking you to simply allow the teachings that I have given to you to change your life, to change your perspective, to change who you are and why you do what you do. And when you do that, you will change your little corner of the world you will have influence on lives people will see you people will be drawn to me through you now we've covered all of them and we're on the last one we've spent the last two weeks talking about the last beatitude, and we're gonna wrap that up today you would stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 5 beginning at verse 1 says when he saw the crowds he went up on the mountain and after he sat down his disciples came to him then he began to teach them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled i think that's my favorite of all the beatitudes hunger and thirsting for righteousness blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward in heaven, your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of being in your house today. Father, sometimes we take for granted the privilege of being able to meet personally, live, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, in church. There are many who take it for granted. There are many who overlook overlook the the privilege and, and don't exercise it, Lord. But I thank you that you've given to us this privilege of being together. And I thank you for your teaching. Lord, this last beatitude that you gave to us is a Tough, tough lesson. Because Father, we want to stand up and fight. Lord, as we wrap this up, would you open our eyes and most importantly, Lord, would you open our hearts to what you want from us, what you want us to know. Give us understanding, Lord, Satan doesn't want this to go out. He doesn't want people to hear. He doesn't want people to be swayed to your side. So I pray that you'll bind him this morning through the blood of Jesus Christ and give victory here today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Now this last beatitude, thank you, Eric. This last beatitude is like Jesus saying to us, and after all of this, just remember, people are going to hate you and pick on you and persecute you simply because you believe in me. This last beatitude is, it's just crazy. After, After all this teaching he's given to us, be meek. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Be What he's saying is be the best version of you that you can be. Be as close a a, a mirrored example to the world of me as you can be. That's what I desire from you. That's what I want from you. I want you to show the world who I am through the way you live and conduct yourself. And that seems wonderful, man. That's awesome. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who seek peace. When was the last time somebody spit in your face, literally or figuratively, and the first thought in your mind was, thank God for the persecution coming my way. (laughs) Seriously, man, that's what Jesus is saying to us. Listen, after everything, after all is said and done, after you work hard to become who I've called you to be, what I want you to become, the the example that I want you to be, just know this, people are going to hate you for it because they hated me. They hate what I stand for. You know, I I thought what Elvin had to say was so spot on. There's so much coming at us today. Uh, There's so many things happening in this world, so many demands on our time and so many distractions from what, the true ministry of a Christian is today. So many, listen, let's just let's just talk real for a second, all right? There are so many reasons today to be discouraged as a Christian. Because quite honestly, even Christians don't seem to want to be Christians today. Tell you what, it can wear you down to the point that you don't want to do anything for Jesus Christ and you want to curl yourself up into a ball and stay in your own little world and say, even so, come Lord Jesus, and please come quickly so that I can get out of this world because it's too tough. Well, let me tell you something, man. He didn't promise an easy road. Why? Do you ever wonder why? Do you ever wonder why Jesus threw this part in and said, this isn't going to be easy, folks. Let me tell you why because the stakes are too high for it to be easy. What's at stake literally are the eternal souls of men, women, boys, and girls. That's what's at stake. So you think our enemy is just gonna roll over and play dead? No, 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 no. He's going to attack you fiercely. He's going to attack you brutally. As we said last week, he doesn't play fair. He doesn't have any morals. He doesn't have any ethics. There is no line. One of the things that frustrated me as a soldier when I trained, and I'll, I'll be very transparent here, as I trained as a soldier, I was in the quarter, I was in a cavalry for a while. <sighs> the craziest people I ever served with in my life were in the cav. They were just a crazy band of people. And yet, as an American soldier, there were rules of engagement. There were lines we couldn't cross. There were lengths that we could not go to in defending ourselves or our our fellow soldiers. There were rules. And I'll be honest with you, it always frustrated me to know that if if the enemy, was jumping out of airplanes and coming down on a parachute, loaded for bear to kill me, I couldn't shoot them while they were in the air. I figured that's like the easiest way to take care of it. And I'm sorry for those of you who are peace lovers, but that's the way it was in the army. But there are those who fight against our country and against our soldiers who have no rules of engagement. They don't care about the Geneva Convention. They will win at all costs. And that's the way our enemy, Satan, approaches war with us. There are no rules. The gloves are off. And Jesus told us that. In fact, it's absolutely true that we will see some level of persecution harassment, whatever you want to call it, if we follow Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a man who knew a bit about persecution, he was a German pastor back uh, before and during World War II, and he actually stood up against Nazi Germany, was in prison and ultimately was martyred because of his faith. He said, when Christ calls someone, he bids them to come and die. And he's not talking about physically dying. He's talking about spiritually laying down your desire, laying down your life, your choice, your path, your plan, laying that down and dying to self. Stop being selfish. Stop being self-centered and allow Jesus Christ to direct your life. It's a hard teaching. It's a hard teaching, especially in today's day and age in America where it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about the individual now. But yet and still, if all we do is focus on the persecution and how it hurts us, how much of a victim it makes us and how unfair it all is, then we'll totally miss what opposition to that. uh, We'll totally miss what opposition to what we stand for actually can do for us. Is it possible? Here's my question for the morning. Is it possible... That there are benefits and blessings in your persecution. Is it possible that there are benefits and blessings and opportunities to grow in your persecution? You see, the last two weeks we talked about persecution. I gave you all kinds of statistics around the world. And all that was to do was to break down that barrier that says, we're not, we don't have it so bad here. Listen, whether you have it bad or not, there is opposition. And the, the, the longer we wait to acknowledge there are the, that there is opposition to the way a Christian is supposed to live and to the life that you live, the longer it's going to take you to defend yourself. But the opposition and the defense is not the point of all of this. In fact, today, we're going to wrap it all up. Is it possible, is it possible that in the persecution that you face, that there are benefits and blessings and opportunities to grow we have a choice when it comes to persecution and struggles will we let it discourage us will we, let it, will we let it beat us will we let it wear us down to ineffectiveness see that's where satan wants to get you he wants to get you to a point where you are ineffective for jesus christ where you no longer have the desire To live in such a way that people see here. Remember what Jesus said. If I am lifted up, I will draw people to me. So you need to live in such a way that you lift me up before the world. So that people see the grace that I have come to give. What do you do with persecution? How do you process it? How do you face it? What effect do you allow it to have? on you. Paul, we used this two weeks ago. Paul said in Romans 8 verses 18 through 22, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. How many of you have heard the song I Can Only Imagine? Have you ever tried to just imagine by listening to that song? I believe in heaven there are colors we've never seen. I believe there are sounds we've never heard. I believe there are things that we and, and that's not just my vision or view or Jesus said, I, or, or the Bible says, eyes, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither has entered. Do you know, you can't even theorize what heaven is like and be close because Jesus said, it hasn't even entered into the heart of humanity what I am preparing for those who trust me. That's what's ahead of us. That's what we live for. That's what we strive for. And that's what we strive to bring others to a knowledge of Jesus Christ about. Paul said that the suffering that I go through isn't worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. For the creation eagerly waits for, uh, waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And I think we live in one of the most beautiful areas of of the world, actually. I think in the fall, there is no more beautiful place to be than New England. And it doesn't compare to what heaven is. And Paul was so convinced of that fact that he said... What I have to go through, what I'm enduring for the name of Jesus Christ doesn't compare. Billy Graham said, no Christian has the right to go around wringing his hands, wondering what we are to do in the face of persecution, confusion, wars, and rumors of wars. We are to comfort one another with the knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming back in triumph, glory, and majesty. As we close out this series on the Beatitudes, and especially this last Beatitude of persecution, I want to share with you that there's hope beyond your hopelessness. There is power over your pain. There is victory over your defeat and there is strength in your weakness. God has not created nor saved you to be a second class, defeated person who lives in fear and intimidation. He's given you the power to become his child and have all the benefits and blessings that come with that honor. This morning, I want to share with you seven strategies to endure and prosper persecution this has nothing to do with your wallet okay has nothing to do with your finances when I'm talking about prosper I'm talking about prospering in your life prospering in your walk prospering in your marriage prospering in your family prospering with your children and prospering most importantly in your relationship with Jesus Christ First strategy I believe we need to incorporate, we need to drill into our minds and right on the tables of our heart is this, we need to understand that they won't win. You understand that? They won't win. The battle is over. I, when at my church I uh, attended and, and worked at, I was stationed at Fort Riley, it was Calvary Baptist Church in Junction City, Kansas. It was right off post, and I was the youth youth pastor there. Drove a bus for the bus ministry. Uh, when Zach was a little boy, he rode the bus with us. And he went on bus visitation. We we uh, went out and packed the kids in. And our pastor George Wright, who's now home with the Lord, would sing this song every so often. And when people would be rotated out to go overseas or to go to another another uh, area of of uh, another duty station, people would request Pastor Wright to sing this song, song, It Is Finished. It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. It is finished. The end of the conflict. It is finished, and Jesus is Lord. And one of the things we have to understand as Christians is that they won't win. Oh, it may seem like the world is in control. It may seem like Satan is creating havoc, and he is, But understand, this world system and Satan's plan will not win. The Bible says his demise is assured. The Bible says those who are evil and decide to stay in evil and reject Jesus Christ will receive their reward of an eternity in hell. You've got to understand, Christian, even though you're being persecuted, even though you're being, you're in the midst of the greatest struggle of your life right now, they won't win. You're on the winning team. You ready for this one? You're on the Dodgers of eternity. For those of you who are new here, I'm a small Dodgers fan, so I like to get them in on every chance I can. John Fox said, "'Princes, kings, and other rulers of the world "'have used all their strength and cunning against the church, "'yet it continues to endure and hold its own.'" Why why is the church, why is the movement of Jesus Christ survived over 2,000 years through persecution, through all that we've gone through? Because it wasn't established by humanity. It was established by Jesus Christ. When he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, will not, will not and cannot prevail against it. Preaching. (laughs) Pay the price for the privilege of preaching, man. What's up with that? So we accepted their terms, the communists. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everybody was happy. Man. Knowing that reaching people for the gospel was worth anything they had to go through. Revelation 20.10 says tells us the demise of Satan. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan is doomed to hell listen folks they won't win you're on the winning team if you've accepted jesus christ as your own personal savior not if you go to church not if you live a good life you have got to accept jesus christ into your heart as your own as as your own personal savior if you've done that you're on the winning team satan his demise is assured not only that but those who deceitfully try to uh, try to tear down the church and try to deceive the followers of Jesus Christ, try to twist scripture to go to their own way. Jesus talked about them in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. What is that? That is accepting him as your savior. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Revelation 7, 14 tells us about the victors. He says, then he told me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation twelve eleven through twelve, and I heard a great voice in heaven say, "The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Christ have ne- of His Christ have now come, because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been thrown down. They conquered him. Man, check it out. They can't win." You've got to take heart in that fact that they cannot win. Man, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I've had, I'm living through one of the worst summers of my life. It's not easy. But you know what? I have peace in my heart. The evil can't win. Evil cannot win. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. And He said, I, have overcome and because I have overcome, you can as well. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Oof, there you go. That's a tough one right there, isn't it? The very end of that verse, they did not love their lives more than they loved serving Jesus Christ. See, that's the secret sauce. That's what makes a Big Mac a Big Mac, the secret sauce. The fact that you desire, you love Jesus Christ and his mission and his call and the life he has called you to more than you love the life that you're trying to build for yourself. Understand, they can't win. What's the second strategy? You need to choose to be unstoppable. Choose to be unstoppable. I, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, you can. You can choose to be unstoppable. I have a, a poster in my office uh, from Rocky. And I can't quote it all. But he says, in, in part of that, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you can get knocked down and get back up that matter. That's how winning is done. Everybody's getting, you're going to get knocked down in life. But how many times are you willing to get back up and fight? Get back up and keep moving forward. Choose to be unstoppable. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 10. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, we have this treasure in clay jars. Remember that group? from back in the 90s jars of clay it was all about that that was talking about us who we are we are simply jars of clay we are simply creations of god and he has given us his glory and his power and it rests within us we have his power in jars of clay so that this extraordinary power may be from god and not from us we are affected in every way but not crushed we are persecuted but not in despair We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. Paul says, Man, we're beaten up. We're worn out for the cause of Christ, but we do not give up. We're knocked down. We're beaten up, but we're not destroyed. We stand strong in Jesus. There's a verse in Philippians that has been used, that has been a point of controversy. I always wonder, I always wonder why people want to try, why Christians want to try to prove a scripture is wrong, and everybody's interpretation is wrong. Philippians 4:13 is one of those. It says, "I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength." People say, "No, you really can't do that." Christians have said that. No, no, no. listen. This verse doesn't say nowhere in this in that passage did Jesus intimate you're going to be a superhero. Doesn't intimate that you can fly but I'll tell you what it does say. If Jesus needs you to fly for his his kingdom, you'll do it. Now that's a little bit of a stretch, right? Whatever he needs you to do for his kingdom, whatever he calls you to do, he will equip you and enable you to do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus doesn't call you to do silly stuff. Jesus calls you to serve Him and to accomplish His purpose through your life. You truly can do anything through Christ if it is in His strength and if it is His will. This passage literally means that anything that God calls you to do, you can do. You can endure anything. You can conquer anything. You can accomplish anything as long as it is God's plan for you and His power working through you that's exactly what that means so when you say I can't do this I can not endure anymore I can't take anymore yes you can you can through his power the problem is you're trying to do it on your own the problem is there's too much of you and too little of him flip flip the equation around more of him Less of you. More of his will, less of yours. More of his desire, less of yours. And when you get the equation right, when it's about him getting the glory and not about you looking bad because it didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen, that's when you'll start serving Jesus Christ. And that's when you'll begin to be unstoppable for his kingdom. The third strategy is this. Be wise yet harmless. Be wise yet harmless. This does not mean don't stand up for yourself. This does not mean don't speak out. This does not mean do not be a formidable foe in the battle for souls. What this means is be wise yet harmless. 2 Timothy 1, 7-9, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, there is suffering in the God, share in the suffering of the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Matthew ten sixteen man, Another one, where this may not be what you want, but this is his call. How, anybody here, when you were when you were taught to swim as a child? Anybody here? I mean, you don't have to throw your parents under the bus if you don't want to. But anybody, their parents just took them to the deep end of a pool and threw them in. Threw you in? Yeah, we got a couple honest people here. throw you in, sink or swim, man, sink or swim, right? Mom and dad were always there. Mom or dad were always there to make sure that you didn't go under. I remember um, jumping off the diving board in the deep end and my dad was, in, was there. My dad rescued me. I, I had such confidence in my father that I could do stupid stuff. And my dad would be there. I, I still have that confidence. <laughs> my dad will be there to bail me out of my stupidity. I wonder if I live every day with the same confidence in my heavenly father as I do in my earthly father. And if I did, how much more could I accomplish for his kingdom? You see, Jesus says, behold, I send you out as as sheep in the midst of wolves. He knows. he knows where you're going, man. He knows the route that you're taking every day. He knows before you do what you're going to face. He understands. And yet he still sends you as a sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, don't be a sacrificial lamb. Be wise as a serpent, yet harmless as a dove. That's quite a teaching. because we don't want to, but let's be on, I mean, let's be honest. We're, we, we're trying to be honest here at New life, right? Let's just be honest. Especially us men, that's not the way we want to be, right? We want to tune people up. And I'm not talking physically, although maybe some of you might want to. We want to to make sure, man, we want to make sure that our will is imposed. We want to be as intimidating as possible to get our way. We don't like being persecuted. We don't like being made a fool of. We don't like having everybody again. And we do especially do not like people trying to make us and making us look bad when all we're trying to do is try to do the right thing. Yet we are called, we are sent out as sheep among wolves and we are called to be wise yet harmless. That's quite a balance to strike, isn't it? That's quite a balance to strike. The third strategy would be this. And this goes, this came right along after Uh, wise as serpents as harmless as doves because I think they go together well don't waste time on foolishness or on foolish people don't waste time listen, especially in this day and age of social media man, you can't put any, I mean you cannot I was talking to Aaron yesterday you can't leave your dog in a car and listen, I don't really care how you feel about leaving dogs in cars, that's not what this is about You cannot leave a dog in a car without somebody calling you out on social media. You can't can't accidentally have a piece of paper blow out your window without somebody taking your license plate, posting a picture of you and the trash and your car on social media, right? Because that's the way people are. If all you're going to do is spend your time dealing with foolishness and foolish people, you're going to be a busy person doing nothing of value. Seriously. Seriously strategy to learn and to grow from persecution is learn not to waste your time on foolishness or on foolish people. What that does is allow you to focus on what is truly important. There, listen, folks, there are battles that need to be fought. There are stands that need to be taken. There are people and issues and problems that need to be addressed. But if we're wrapped up and bound up and caught up in dealing with foolishness and dealing with foolish people, then we'll miss the opportunity to fight the battles that truly matter. Understand this. Some people just want drama. They want to live it and they want to create it. You don't have to be in their play. You don't have to audition for their movie you can choose not to be part of it. And a wise strategy, I believe as a Christian, is to not get involved in the foolishness or with foolish people. Jesus gave us the principle of Matthew 7, verse 6. Now, okay, these are not my words, all right? These are the words of Jesus, all right? Don't give what is holy to dogs or cast your pearls or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. You see, people who are bound and determined to destroy your witness, to destroy your ministry, to destroy everything you stand for, they don't want anything to do with Jesus or his kingdom or your church or your pamphlet or your testimony. They don't want anything. In fact, they want to destroy what you stand for then your best reasoned argument, they're going to spit on, they're going to walk over, and then they're going to come after you. So don't waste your time on that. As we saw last week, brush the dust off your feet and move on to another challenge. You cannot change anybody's heart. The Holy Spirit of God can change their hearts. All you can do is be a witness to them. If they choose to reject Jesus, that's their choice. I'm not being flip, I'm being truthful and honest. If they choose to reject reject Jesus, that's their choice. You cannot make a choice for them. What you can do is choose not to get caught up in that foolishness and allow yourself to be, because what's gonna happen is you're gonna be dragged down, you're gonna be beaten up, and you're gonna be brought to the point of wanting to give up. The next strategy is this. And Christians, please, if you haven't listened to anything, if you're not going to listen to anything for the rest of this message, please listen to this one, okay? Don't invite persecution. Don't invite persecution. What do I mean? Don't pick a fight. Don't pick a fight. Don't run from a battle that you've been called to fight, but don't pick a fight. Raising two 11-year-old boys, got another 16-year-old boy raised one that's not 16 anymore. One thing I teach my sons is this. We don't bully people. We do not bully people. Stand for yourself. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for your sisters. Yes, I'm that guy. Call me toxic if you want. I believe men need to stand up for the women in their lives. But you don't, pick on, you, you don't pick on people. You stand up for the weak. You stand up for those who, who are being picked on. We don't bully people. We don't pick a fight. But if a fight is brought to you, and you fight. You stand for yourself. You stand up for what's right. Just be ready to stand for your faith in the power of Jesus. Don't pick a fight. Just be ready to stand for your faith in the power of Jesus. Now listen, here's here's where I believe it gets very, very practical for for the church today, all right? I even wrote this down. It's not going to be on the screen because this was something I wrote down last night at about 10 o'clock at night. Jesus never commanded us to hold a sign saying that God hates anyone or to blow up a building because we don't like what goes on in there. Jesus never, listen to this, listen very closely to this, and I'll challenge you with the word of God. Jesus never called us to march in protest as Christians. Never called us to do that. You won't find those tactics in the Bible. See, we think we can change people and change the world by our, political tactics and motivations. We're not called to do that. You've never, you can never find that in the word of God. And there's, a, there's a, a battle going on with a certain group and they keep going back and forth and they just never listen. Christians who stand this way will never listen. They think that, uh, they even argue that Jesus came and made political change. Jesus didn't make political change. In fact, the Jews, you remember if you remember your, your, his, your church history and your Jewish history, The Jews were looking for a Messiah who was going to deliver them from Roman bondage. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus never picked up a sword. He said, I could. Remember in the garden when Peter pulled out the sword and cut off the ear of Malchus? Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword. He picked Malchus' ear up and put it back on his head. He said, don't you know that I could call ten legions of angels? and wipe everything, everybody out. Don't you know I have that power? Have you not learned anything to this point? That's not what I'm here for. We are not here to march against what we believe is wrong, morally wrong. We are not here to browbeat people into coming around to our way of life, coming around to our way of thinking. We are here to represent Jesus in everything we do. Oh, but, but pastor, don't you, don't you know what's going on? You know how evil. I do, man. I do. I understand. I know how evil things are. I know how difficult it is to live as a Christian. Yet and still we have not been called to use those tactics. Those are, remember what we read, what we looked at last week? The weapons of our warfare. Are not placards and signs and banners. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual weapons. They're not, they're not political power. They're spiritual weapons that we attack the enemy and we attack the opposition in prayer and we attack it in the way we live our lives. Remember we talked about how Jesus said, or, or, or P, uh, Peter wrote to us, if they're going to talk about you, if they're going to tear you down, if they're going to say things about you that, that, are, that, are, that are, are meant to destroy your testimony, make them tell a lie. Listen, man, I try to live that. I truly do. I try to live my life with such a, and I don't, I'm not always successful. Please believe me. I'm not a perfect man by any means, but I try to live with my integrity in such a way that if people are gonna say something about me, they're gonna to have to tell a lie. We've had the police at our house a lot lately. We've had investigators at our house a lot lately. For those of you who don't know, we've got three, uh, we've got two sons and then we have three foster kids in our home and people aren't happy about that. And I have had to, I've, had to have, I've, I've had to go to my neighbors and say, hey, listen, man, everything's okay here. All right, please, we're not dealing drugs out of our house. And we've had to have conversations. We're getting to be first name basis with the East Longmont Police Force. I don't like that at all. I don't like the evil tactics. I don't like it at all. But every time, every time, I cannot tell you. Everybody know what a 51A is? 51A is when, DCF file, when somebody files against you saying that you are abusing Neglecting or something children. I, I can't tell you, Aaron and I could not tell you how many 51 A's have been filed against us in the last eight months. But you know how many have been screened in? Zero. And man, there have been some ugly ones. I mean, some vile ones. That I I said, man, I may have to resign my church if this continues because this not that not that anybody would believe it but because it would be terrible for the community to continue to hear that this stuff is is being accused of going on in a pastor's home and i could not allow the church to suffer because of false accusations but they're false against me but i'll tell you what we have not fought back and given evil for evil. We have stood in integrity and it's not easy. It is not easy, man. It's not easy at all. But we have done our best to stand in our integrity and to be honest and to make them tell a lie. And the police, every time they've come out and said, we get it. We understand. And they've come over to work with our work for us now. You see, It's not easy. It's not easy to stand for Jesus. It's not easy to do the right thing all the time. But Jesus never said, stop doing the right thing because it gets tough. He said, stand in your integrity and make them lie. Every one of you is in a situation where someone wants to take you down. Some of you have more than one person. Some of you are are public figures and people attack you publicly and that's no fun. Well, my challenge to you as a Christian is to stand in your integrity. And if they're going to say something, make them tell a lie. And allow your integrity and the power of God to win that battle. Do not resort to the tactics of the evil one. Do you realize when you carry a sign that says God hates whatever, you're attacking people? You are attacking people. You are telling people that Jesus doesn't love, wait a minute, Jesus died on the cross for them. Who do you think you are telling them that God hates them? That's just wrong. We are not to employ the tactics of evil to bring about good. We are called to live with the love of Jesus Christ every moment of every day, even though every moment of every day is a battle and a struggle. But he promises us that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. You see, that's the way we're supposed to battle. That's the way we're supposed to stand. The fifth strategy follows right along with that. Don't let your good be evil, be spoken of as evil. You know what that meant? That's kind of a tough one to, to tease out and to work through. We went out to breakfast with my parents on Friday. They bravely took the seven of us out to Crazy Jake's and named appropriately for our family Crazy. And the, I mean, the breakfast was awesome. Pancakes. I had an, e- I had an egg. <laughs> an egg and some uh, some corned beef hash. Thank you. Thank you. My wife had to remind me. Corned beef hash. Took all day to finish it. But... You know, those pancakes came out and they looked so good. Michael ordered pancakes that were, they had uh, M&M's in them. And Gabriel and Gabriel and Eric ordered pancakes with chocolate chips, right? I mean, the healthy stuff, right? You know what? They're bringing those pancakes out. What a great meal, right? The cook did a great job cooking it. Now, I'll use use my corned beef. Aaron was was like looking at my corned beef. She's like, oh, that looks good. She wanted to take a bite. And then I picked up the bottle of ketchup and put some ketchup on it. I love ketchup on corned beef hash, man. I love it. I love me some ketchup on corned beef hash. And yes, I am that guy that on a at, at times in my younger years, I put ketchup on a steak. Anybody else? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Yes, I did. put Okay, now I've just lost 90% of the audience. <laughs> I did it. I, have, I'm, I, have, I, I confessed my sin and everything's fine. But that's kind of like what Aaron, what, 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 Jesus is say what we're trying to say here. Aaron looked at me and she says, "Well, you just ruined it." And she wouldn't eat any of the corned beef hash. Which talk about strategy, right? <laughs> now, now, now I got all the hash, all the hashed. Listen, I'm I'm begging for protein right now. I, I got all the stra- all the corned beef I can get. I mean, you can live your life in such a way that you show Jesus and you can do everything right and then in one instant you can blow it all by losing your temper, by doing something foolish. Don't let your good be spoken of as evil. Don't give them what they want. Don't give the enemy what they want. Don't give fuel to their fire. Don't give them ammunition to use against you. And I know we're not perfect. I understand that. But we have to strive to live in such a way that we do not shoot ourselves in the foot that we continue to move forward and not give them what they need. You can undo all of your hard work and lose your gained ground by losing your temper, by expressing your frustration, or, now listen to this, or venting to the wrong person. You vent to the wrong person and you might as... Telephone, telegraph, tell them, right? And it's gonna go viral. <sighs> Paul wrote these words when he was overcome, when he was at seemed like he might've been at the end of his rope. When he had such a struggle in his life that he said, enough is enough. God, please remove this. From my life and the response from heaven was not okay I'll make your life a little easier The response of heaven was this but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in your weakness therefore I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me and The next verse is very difficult. It's very difficult to put into practice. And I think we need to really sit down and meditate on what, what Paul is really trying to say here. He's not saying I, I, I throw a party because of my weakness. I'm, I, he doesn't say I, I, I'm shooting off fireworks in the yard because of the persecution. He says this, so I take pleasure in weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. That's an important designator there for the sake of Christ. Not because of my own foolishness but for the sake of Christ. Why? Because when I am weak then I am strong. When I am at my weakest humanly speaking he is at his strongest. Remember Zach uh, when he was a kid. And, it, and to this day, if you ever go out to lunch or dinner with Zach and he orders something, he'll order a Coke with no ice, right? He doesn't have ice. Doesn't put ice. Never has since the time he was a kid. I asked him one day, I said, Zach, why, do, I mean, you buy a soda right off the shelf and Zach wants the warm soda. And he doesn't want ice in us. I said, Zach, don't you want some ice to make that a cold drink? He says, no. I said, but why don't you put ice in your drinks? Not that I'm irritated, but I just wondered why, because it was really something he's done since he was a little kid, since I can remember. He says, dad, because the more ice I put in, the less soda I get. Well, I can't argue with the reasoning of a kid, right? And now that he's become an adult, Right? I, I can't argue with that, right? Right. Here he is, the star, of the star of the story. And you know, I listened to that and I thought about that, and I, I thought about that spiritually. Man, I, I try to put so much ice in my glass. Yet the more ice I put in my glass, the less of Jesus that gets to fit in. And the less of me and the less of my desires and the less of my stuff that I put into my life, the more he can fill me. And that's what Paul is saying here. It's not that he's thrilled to death to be persecuted. It's not that he's thrilled to death to be talked about, to be attacked. But he's saying the more I allow God's power to reside in me, And the less of me I allow to respond and react, the more of God's power is displayed in my life and the more victory I have. And ultimately, the greater benefit for the kingdom of God. When I said, be careful of who you vent to, just remember this. Accountability partners are not always what they're cracked up to. Make sure if you're going to say you trust somebody and you're going to share with them your deep life secrets, better make sure they're a vault, folks. Because it has been my experience in ministry as a pastor dealing with situations where there is conflict. Something many, many times it's because something was shared in confidence as an accountability partner. And when a break came, the vault was open. That's why the Bible says, trust him and go to him with your worries and your cares and your struggles. Hey man, if you've got somebody you can trust, praise God. I'm just saying, be careful. The sixth strategy is this grow from the experience. Grow from the experience of persecution. Be wiser, be stronger. Be happier, have more endurance, grow from the experience. Let it change you from the inside out. Let it make you somebody better. Let it make you become stronger. Romans 5, 3-5, Paul tells us, and not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because that we, we know that afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Don't let it beat you down. Don't let it discourage you. Grow from the experience. Grow from the experience. And lastly, I think, these none of these have been, none of these are a piece of cake, right? And I don't think this one is on, I don't think, I put this one on the screen. Lastly, learn how to move on. Learn how to move on. We spend our time struggling in the muck and the mud and the cement of the past. All it's going to do is hold you down. Learn how to move on. That's not easy. Because we are people that want results. We are people that want, let's be honest. We want vengeance. We want them to get what they deserve, right? Absolutely. I'll tell you, hand in the, my hand's in the air. I want, I want those people to get what they deserve. But I have, to, I have to settle myself into the fact that what they deserve is not my call. What they deserve is not my responsibility. What they deserve is not my job. It's his, it's God's. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. It may, hey, listen, he may not give them what I think they deserve. But remember, vengeance is not his for vengeance sake. What his goal is for every human being is that they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So while we may wish that a hole would open up and swallow their home, he may say, listen, I wanna break their spirit so that they realize my son died for their sins and that their lives can be changed if they will turn to me. Folks, learn how to move on. Paul challenges us with that in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, we can stop right there or maybe we'll read on. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. That's our purpose, that's our pursuit. It's not fame and fortune. It's not getting even. It's not vengeance. It's that we can stand in our integrity and say, God has a plan. I'm living it. And he gets the glory. And I will be willing to endure and suffer whatever he calls me to endure and suffer. If it means that his kingdom is advanced. I hope this has been beneficial to you as we've gone through this teaching of Jesus, the Beatitudes, how we as followers of Christ are to live and face this life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house once again. And God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, even when it's difficult truth to accept, we thank you for it. Father, this life is not an easy one that you've called us to. It truly isn't. Yet if we're going to do our part for your kingdom, God, we need to live it. Lord, as we are quiet in our hearts and our spirits right now, as Lord, I know I struggle with this. I battle with this. Lord, may we be open to the leadership of your Holy Spirit. May we be open to the fine tuning of your Holy Spirit. And may we allow what you have taught us to take hold in our lives. God, it's not easy. It's not easy to face persecution, to face struggle and face trials simply for doing the right things. But Lord, that's what you've called us to do. Would you give us the grace and the strength as individuals to stand in you? And as a church, Lord, would you give us the grace and the strength to stand united for you, not against anything, but for you. God, may we live your word every day of our lives. In your name we pray.